Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Samantha McCoy of Erie, Pennsylvania. Samantha will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Sarah Marshall, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at The Mothership Law & Order, Season 6, Episode 4, Jeopardy. If he bribed the judge, he can't hide behind double jeopardy. The Constitution says he can I don't think the Constitution protects rigged trials. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Thanks for having me back, Kevin. And rounding out our panel is our special guest from the You're Wrong About podcast. <gasps> it's Sarah Marshall. Hello, Sarah. Hello. I'm so happy to be here in the law and order. You're wrong about is a chart topping podcast. You realize you're getting the short end of the stick here, right? <laughs> no, I'm not, because I get to talk about law and order with equally enthusiastic conversational partners. And that's all I want in life. Oh, that's good. I thought you were going to fire your publicist when you this no. was over. So she's going to be happy. She still has a job. <laughs> So, look, you examined scandals from the near past and discuss mm -hmm. how the media got it wrong. So let me ask you this. Mm. Is Serena Sutherland really a lesbian? <laughs> I mean, she said she was, so I guess so. <laughs> you know, and she just like, I just wish that they had done a uh, Kincaid and McCoy type thing with her. And, you know, there was just there were so many under the radar flirtations throughout the show that the audience could pick up on. I wish we could have seen that with her. Which, and another to my woman, knowledge yeah. wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, I think, if anything, they sort of missed an opportunity to actually have a representative character as opposed to somebody who's going out the door and said, surprise! They did nothing with her. <laughs> they did really nothing. They did literally nothing with her at all. They didn't have her have anything with anybody other than very wooden conversations, which is, I believe, why she exited the show, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they knew what to do with her. Yeah. They knew how to get rid of her. <laughs> well, did they? <laughs> That's the question. Maybe they did it. So, Sarah, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. You know, I was just having a conversation with a friend earlier today about how uh, people describing Chris Noth 
assaulting them has been uh, especially depressing for us because, like, I spent 20 years having a crush on Chris Noth, and now mm. I have to, like, rescind that. Um, so... I don't know. I feel like I sh- I can't say Logan anymore. I have to pick a new one. I gotta say, I think Briscoe and Curtis is such a classic pairing, and I was really enjoying and thinking about how in season six, which is the season we're watching an episode from, they did so many computer plots yes. where Lenny was like, I don't understand computers, but I think they're a big deal. And Curtis <laughs> is like, step aside, old man. Let me... And insert this floppy disk. Watch Move. out, Boomer. It's time for Gen X to take over this squad. <laughs> and Sarah, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. I mean, th- these are really nostalgia answers, but okay. I was in eighth grade, and this says so much about me, Um a Kincaid and McCoy shipper. I was yeah. like very invested in this pairing. And I watch it now and I'm like, this is wildly inappropriate workplace behavior. I cannot <laughs> believe that we were lionizing this, but I, they're still my favorite. It's a nostalgia thing. I guess it's, yeah, I can't move on. You're not wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> now let's take a look at the first half of this episode. Law and Order Season 6, Episode 4, Jeopardy. Oh, no. Blue balls on the elevator. Oh, no. (laughs) Two amorous office workers are having their max session interrupted by the sound of gunfire. Three people at a small magazine have been shot, among them the editor, Eddie Nikodos. CSU checked the fire door? Yeah, they found some powder residue on the handle and a couple of dozen prints, mostly smudged, mostly from the Vicks and uh, one from the kid in the john. Popular door. Yeah, it leads to the side street, but it's not wired up to an alarm. Well, somebody who's been there before would know that. Eddie started the tech magazine instead of going into the family business. Nikodos Foods Distributor is run by his brother, Peter. And Elaine, the family matriarch, fronted Eddie money for the magazine startup costs. Briscoe and Curtis learned the publication was being sued over a bad review of a video game and the plaintiff is seeking serious monetary concessions from both the magazine and Nikodos Foods. In video depositions, it's clear that Peter is pissed Eddie has gotten them into this mess. The detectives learned that after a memorial service for the Nikodos patriarch, Peter abruptly left the dinner just before Eddie was killed. Plus, the handgun Peter's secretary keeps in her drawer was stolen. Lenny and Ray are looking for the blue suit he wore the night of the shooting. They check out a shell company run by Peter, which just turns out to be the penthouse of a kept woman. There they find the blue suit covered in cat hair, similar to that on the other victim. Briscoe and Curtis put the cuffs on him just before he can escape to the opera. Hmm. Uh, So, like, not everything aged well in this episode, First off, we get to see some over-the-clothes stuff with Gil and Cindy <laughs> when their makeout session is interrupted. Gil will be home in half an hour. Come on, son. They did it in Fatal Attraction. <laughs> <laughs> sure, with stunt doubles. And then Gil takes out of his pocket this giant 1996 cell phone. Mm. Uh, is she supposed to call the police or throw that at them? <laughs> <laughs> Weren't they married or together? They said they were going home. 
Uh, I uh, I think you're supposed to imply you're going to somebody else's. It's supposed to be secret. I well, why? <laughs> These interviews. I don't know, Sarah. Didn't you get the impression they were married? Because she's like, if we're just gonna be home in half an hour, and he was like right. doing some fantasy thing in the elevator. I'm like, why would you guys get fired if you're together? Does your I don't I couldn't figure That's it out. That's why. That's why <laughs> they, in the 90s, you couldn't have sex in an elevator. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can pull that little stop button on the elevator and uh, keep it there. Yeah. And you just got to hope the bell doesn't ring. Yeah. And they were playing at their fatal attraction fantasy is what he said, right? I yeah. love that reference because I was like, that movie came out nine years before this episode. They really yeah. couldn't think of anything more recent. So we're also like four episodes into the Ray Curtis era. And to demonstrate mm. that he knows his stuff, Briscoe... <laughs> learns that everything he needs, Curtis has already asked for. Mm-hmm. And then when he's late, Curtis says, hey. Yeah, I paged you three times. I paged you. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he's like, well, I don't have a giant cell phone in my pocket so, <laughs> to answer the page. <laughs> Plus, this is how this little magazine operated on such a small staff. Again, 1996. Most of the articles were submitted by fax. Yes. They, once it rolled up on the floor, they'd flatten it out and they'd put it in the magazine. Yes. I was very surprised to see how the same an open concept, quote, cool startup looked then mm. as it looks now. I mean, it was just like a big open space with like some toys on a desk. Yeah. Uh, nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, no rock wall, no private chef. Well, you know, it was late in the evening. We don't know who yeah. might have been there otherwise. I got. I wrote down, I just am in love with the language that people use on the show to talk about technology around this time. And I wrote down, I don't know what, if I bet you guys have favorites, but my favorite technology moment was when a waitress said of a suspect of the moment. Uh, what time did Johnny take off? Just before nine. He said he had a date with some girl on his computer. So I asked him, what is the thrill in that? He said he had a date with some girl on his computer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then the response was... I'm sure he types fast with one hand. <laughs> By the way, nowadays, everybody can type with one hand because they need the other one to drive. <laughs> That's so true. Ray is talking to the lady at the counter, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Briscoe is sitting at a table, like finishing mm-hmm. a sandwich, right? How did this play out? They go to the diner. Briscoe's like, I'm going to go sit here and order. And I'm wait- you're going to wait till I get served before you are allowed to go talk to anyone. That sounds about right. Yeah. I bet he was like, slow down, Ray. Casey, this is a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> He's like, we're doing this after my lunch break. Because we're not going to get a hot tip and then I can't stay for a sandwich. <laughs> Ignorance is lunch. <laughs> well, and I think in maybe a slightly later episode, but around this time, we have to emphasize the difference in their personalities. We show Briscoe and Curtis stopping in a restaurant where Lenny's like, order the special. This guy gives me a free special all the time because I did yes. some police thing for him one time. The waiter's got a kid. A couple of years ago, two jamokes put a piece in his face. I popped him. So, so every once in a while, he slips me a special. Well, CCB, we call that a bribe. And Curtis is like, no, that's unethical. So I assume Lenny just has like 30 to 50 restaurants where he just gets to eat free breakfast, and this is one of them canonically. That's how he gets tickets to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very early Briscoe, was, there was sort of a, uh, 
implied maybe he's a little dirty, maybe yeah. he does things. And by the, you know, then years later, we know he's saintly to the rest of us, you know. He, yeah. he never popped anybody for no reason. That's how we named our dog Briscoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one good cop in New York. Allegedly. <laughs> he just wants a free breakfast. Who doesn't? All right, let's take a look at our cast for a minute. We have a couple of Hey, It's That Guys. Hey, it's that guy. Can you tell me who is the rich murder suspect, Peter Nikodos, who that is? My grandfather built this firm. I take seriously my duty to protect the family's interests. I'm not going to sit back, let some little shyster bleed us over a computer game. Yes. You know. That's Peter Frechette, who only uh, plays guys named Peter. Okay. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. That's like, I think he's one it's of like those. like Tony Danza. He's one he's of those like, actors yeah. where they're just afraid he won't like respond if he doesn't <laughs> have a character that's also. His name. By the way, I only know his name randomly because it's like one of those names that pops up in credits and it's like, oh, it's that guy again. So you, uh. only, you have to know it's that guy because he's just in things. I don't know what he is in. I just know that I have seen him in things, which is a classic, hey, it's that guy definition. Okay, right? well, let me fill you in because this is what I do. Okay. Uh, Peter Frechette, Emmy nominee for his role as an HIV positive character on 30 something. When you think back and <sighs> now, they're all 70 something. But okay. Okay. People never talk about 30 something, but wasn't it? There was like it was all anyone could talk about for a while, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. He is best known though as George from the TV show Profiler. He made his film debut in Greece Two <laughs> as <laughs> Louis De Mucci. Yeah. Wow. He yes. was one of the T Bones. I mean T Birds. Birds. <laughs> T Birds. Uh, he was always ready to quote slide into home base. Hmm. Do you remember any of the songs, Sarah, from Greece Two? I have never seen Grease 2, but I, should I? I should, right? Rebecca, you must. Wasn't Grease 2 when. Reproduction. No. Wasn't it the roles reversed? Like the guy was from Australia? Yes. <laughs> That's all I remember about <laughs> yes. it. Yes. That's literally. It's like, you know that you don't have to have someone from Australia, right? Like, yeah. I, mean, I think it's it great. It was Sandy's but... cousin who decided to also come. And Michelle Pfeiffer was the, uh, the ingenue. Girl. Yes, yeah. The one who made him change for her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, what's the name of the actor playing Judge Edgar Hines? Mr. McCoy. Lucky I'm not sanctioning you for discovery violations. That is the late Louis Zorich. He played mm. Paul Reiser's dad on Mad About You. Oh, uh, he left behind his wife of 56 years, Academy Award winner Olympia Dukakis. <gasps> oh. Oh, it's okay. She's also dead now, yes. so she's oh, not yeah. sad. God, now I can't remember who's died recently. You know what's funny? Okay. It's you can actually uh, rent her old house on VRBO. Olympia um, Dukakis' yes. house? We actually, Olympia and Dukakis. Louis Zorch, yeah. yeah, we actually saw it. Oh, it's that island where it's like half French, half Dutch. Um, St. Martin. Yeah. You can actually like VRBO her old house. Fun fact. It's Do the not kids that need the money? No, but it's not that expensive. It's really amazing. <laughs> By the way, did you catch who's playing Lab Tech Chung? By the way, just the last name. Didn't give him a first name. Chung. Mm-hmm. Nope. Well, the cat gets around. I pulled similar cat hairs off the same victim who had the fibers. No? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's Ken Luong. You'll remember him from Lost as mm-hmm. Miles Strom. I don't. Or Maelstrom, as J.J. Abrams thought was clever to call him. Hmm. You don't remember Miles from Lost? (sighs) Not really. He arrived on the boat looking for Ben, not Penny's boat, as you remember Charlie saying. Yep, yep. Now, okay, well, he had a cameo in The Force Awakens and X-Men, Last Stand. He's credited as playing Omega Kid, but his character was actually Quill, so I'm DB. You're wrong about. (laughs) Jesus. 
Uh, how about the other crime scene tech, the guy from the beginning, who walked Briscoe through the crime scene? Body counts three. We found four shells, nine millimeter. As far as we can tell, all the Vicks worked here. He looked like Bill Cosby who'd been living a good life. No? <laughs> no, no. That's David Fontino, 12 Law and Order Universe appearances. Rebecca will no. remember him as Lieutenant Grant on Search for Tomorrow. Oh, I didn't watch Search for Tomorrow. And Dr. Grant on Guiding Light. Didn't watch Guiding Light. Oh, so. my God. You're Sorry. always complaining about the soap opera The people. only soap references that I don't know are the ones at Santa Barbara, Guiding Light, and Search for Tomorrow. Sorry, I never watched those. Any, any, any other ones I would have been able to do. Sorry. Sarah knew them all. So just... <laughs> of course, somewhere in a part of my brain I can't access yet. We have uh, Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Can you tell us who's playing Rich Lady Elaine Nicodos? Eddie couldn't be there. I told him it was all right. He had a deadline at the magazine. That's the late Seda Thompson, Emmy oh. winner for the 1970s drama Family <gasps> with Christy McNichol. Really? Yeah. Yeah, look, in both 1976 and 1978, she was nominated in two different categories, same year uh, in the Emmys. Tony Award, three Golden Globe nominations, but who can forget her appearance on the special two-part episode of The Love Boat, in which she plays a woman who got out of jail after 20 years and Hope to be reunited with her daughter, played by Melissa Sue Anderson. (laughs) Aw, God, Melissa Sue Anderson was so busy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Had to put time off for a two-part episode yes. of Love Boat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, she got to, she got to play a character who could. So see. when they went to Spain in that episode, <laughs> she got to play a character you could see. It was very exciting. <laughs> you can finally make eye contact with another. Yes. That would be a luxury. We have a bunch of repeat offenders. R- repeat offender. Wally Dunn is attorney Oldlum. That review damaged my client's business reputation. He was in the Delhi massacre episode, tragedy on Rye. There's Sean Elliott again as Judge Rivera. The motion to dismiss is denied, and the charges will stand. He got all teary-eyed, as the rest of us did, as uh, Dennis O'Hare has his courtroom breakdown in pro se. Hmm. We also have, from Showtime's Billions, Jeffrey DeMunn as Attorney Rothenberger. Anybody ever tell you you're a sore loser, McCoy? We talked to him as, as he was Alex Cabot's short-lived boss hmm. on SVU for, like, a hot minute. But... Are you ready to talk about seeing somebody before they were famous? Sure. Mm-hmm. Before they were famous. Did anyone recognize the corpse of Eddie Nicodos? <laughs> <gasps> no, who was it? You want to sue me, go right ahead. The magazine's judgment proof. Well, get ready to know him. That dead body was Jeffrey Donovan, formerly of Burn Notice. He's about to star as Detective Frank Cosgrove on season 21 of Law and Order huh? alongside Anthony Anderson. Talk about before they were famous, like they, right now. Are yeah. they bringing back Law and Order? You did not know that? I didn't know that. I just have oh. like let go, you know, of the present day Law and Order situation. I had no idea. This is a wow. See, set your DVR. <gasps> set your DVR for February twenty fourth on NBC. <sighs> oh my god! You'll see. Uh, also, Sam Waterston will be back, and Cameron Manheim is in it. A lot of it seems like a really interesting cast. And Anthony, Anthony Anderson, Anderson is back. Sam Waterston has got to be at least eighty years old. I'm so proud of him for yeah. <laughs> coming back. Wow, he's really going to Ruth Bader Ginsburg that that role, right? <laughs> Thank God, I have something to believe in again. That's all I can say. <laughs> So Jeffrey Donovan, he's from the town of Amesbury, Massachusetts. Oh. Uh, from around here, he's a Sox fan, and his Twitter handle is 
at Wicked Pissa JT. <laughs> It's like he's famous. Like he could change it now, right? <laughs> Wicked Pissa. At no, Wicked Pissa, Pissa Wolf Universe. Yeah. <laughs> Lastly, do you know the actress who was playing open mouth, no tongue kisser Cindy in the elevator? <laughs> no. We'll need new jobs if we get caught. She looked so familiar, but I couldn't place her. Who was that? That's Diana Henry, five Law & Order appearances. She's been getting steady work over the last 14 seasons of ABC's Moral Dilemma Candid Camera Series, What Would You Do? Never heard of it. Oh, she gets like in a situation like with undercover actors and, oh, and cameras. like she yells oh, at her design. kid like yeah. in a donut shop. It's oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Here are some of her highlights. She played Bad Mommy in the episode Baby Locked in Hot Car. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Upset shopper in Mother's Shame Gender Toy choices made by their children. Oh, my goodness. Man, I'm so glad that it wasn't you in that. Oh, God. Uh, she was also a bystander in Son Berate's Gay Father. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's supposed to, like, you know, capture. What would you do? Oh, it's an I, intense show, though. I was thinking it would be like, what would you do if you saw a chipmunk riding a little skateboard? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know I'm not supposed to think too deeply about these things, but... I can't imagine a bad review of the video game Thrasher in the tiny Gen X computer magazine Bite Size is an eight-figure lawsuit. Hmm. By mm-hmm. the way, that, that video game was on a CD-ROM. <laughs> Again, thanks, 1996. <laughs> I don't know. I That's mean, a big lawsuit. Eight figures? What yeah. is that? like? That's like $10 million. I mean, how, how much did Mist make? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with inflation, that's like election fraud slander lawsuit money. Yeah. I mean, we don't know where that guy's career could have gone had it not mm. been for that one bad review. No, it's true. Yeah. That's true. He could Right now, he could be making League of Legends. Yeah. Or, or Candy Crush. Yes, you never know. Or and- the Property Brothers game for my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> or that one where grandma is a murderer, but really you're just... Matching trowels. Oh, Merge Mansion. (laughs) The poor girl gets stood up at the altar. Like the ad for the video game is incredible. This story. The grandma calls and she's taken away by the police, but she's written on the palm of her hand, "He is alive." (laughs) What the fuck? Just like a t. Like this is what I want. I want an HBO adaptation of the Merge Mansion ads. Yes. Yeah. The right? one that's the worst, though, I think, is Lily's Garden because it's like she she weird. comes home and like she finds her boyfriend in bed with somebody else, or she like okay gets a she gets a pregnancy test and the guy leaves her. This is all in an ad. Where for are you a video seeing these ads? Where you they they get put in other videos? Oh, games. so you're seeing them when you're playing games? Yeah. I get it now. Mm-hmm. I get it. So they're trying to get you where you are. Yeah. And I'm not doing it on a CD-ROM. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about the forensic evidence. They're looking for the clothes that Peter wore that night. The guy is a millionaire with a walk-in closet, but he has one blue suit. Mm. And it's not even the right suit. It's not the one. Mm. It's a tropical wool. It's not the right wool. There's no evidence in this case. The cat hair may match. The suit doesn't match. I don't understand why they arrest this guy. Except for the fact that he's sus as hell, which he is, by the way. Sarah, I'm going to explain something as far as the way men purchase their wardrobe. (laughs) They go get their first suit, they buy a blue suit. When Mm -hmm. they purchase their second suit, they get a gray suit. 
when they purchase their third suit, they buy another blue suit. <laughs> it's not like we're going to get like we're going to taste the rainbow and get everything <laughs> and then come back to a second blue suit. After a funeral, you buy a black suit, right? Yeah. It's a very muted rainbow. And not for the first time. And I'm sure not for the last. Briscoe and Curtis arrest a man in a tuxedo who is running late for the opera. Count this wait. We're going to be late for the next. Don't worry. It'll still be there 25 years from now. Peter Nikodos, you're under arrest for the murder of Edward Nikodos. You have the right to remain silent. They love doing that. That's their favorite. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Look, as as you know, uh, Sarah, in the Grevy and Serretta Day's Law & Order was very Mm -hmm. blue collar. It was street crime focused. Mm-hmm. It became a better show when it shifted to white collar criminals and murderous millionaires. Sarah, mm-hmm. am I wrong about? Are you wrong about that opinion? No, I think you're very right. I, I, one of the things I was thinking about watching this is like, I have a complicated relationship to my having grown up loving Law and Order, but one of the things I stand by as positive that it did is be like, you know. A lot of rich people are uh, very scary. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they kill their horses. They murder they people. Oh, my God. <laughs> the horse episode. Oh, yeah. Because like white men, he couldn't jump. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Mr. Wicketts. I do find this episode interesting as one of the ones where, as the audience, you really just have to trust that we've indicted the right guy because we're not shown why this is true. We're just like, yeah, it totally was that guy. Yep, get him, do it. I believe in you. You I mean, we we worry about that now, but remember, this is back in the age of CD-ROMs and fax machines. We didn't really care if they got the right guy, because it would all Mm. work out in the end. Yeah, but didn't you feel like the cat hair test results were kind of like Chekhov's gun? Because Hmm. the guy says, like, Mm -hmm. I'll get those back for you, in a while. And In a couple weeks. Exactly. And it just feels like that's a looming. The cat hair results are because the suit wasn't right. Well, he had like dial up internet service. So that's why it <laughs> took so long. <laughs> By the way, he's like, I'm heading to the Met. What? In black tie? It's obviously three in the afternoon. <laughs> Sarah, that should be morning dressed. Waistcoat, sponge bag trousers, braces, and a white tie. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day, or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Peter Nicholas's lawyer is aggressively seeking to exclude evidence. While his arguments are thin, Judge Edgar Hines is receptive to the defense. Her observations aren't hearsay. She can testify that Peter Nicodos was angry at his brother that night, and according to her, angrier than she'd ever seen him before. Under extraordinary conditions, Your Honor, he was angry at his brother for not attending their father's memorial. And this will be totally misconstrued by a jury. Yeah, I have to agree. Under the circumstances, the prejudicial effect of Ms. Gaston's testimony will clearly outweigh its probative value. The prosecution's case was already floundering when the defense objected to the recently produced analysis of the cat hair evidence. Hines excludes it. Later, when the defense moves to dismiss the case due to lack of evidence, Hines again stuns McCoy and Kincaid by letting Peter walk. Schiff has a drink with his old friend the judge when he learns of his pending divorce and financial trouble. 
And because Hines suspiciously changed his long practices on admitting evidence, Schiff asks McCoy to look into the judge and why he requested the Nikodos case. Claire finds out a bank gave Hines a sweetheart loan he clearly didn't qualify for. The president says Elaine Nikodos threatened to pull her business unless the judge got the money. Schiff kicks everyone out of the interrogation room to rip his old friend a new one, tell him he's going to jail. Elaine Nikodos admits to Jack she arranged the loan, but says they can't charge Peter now because of double jeopardy. McCoy says, fuck that noise. (laughs) He argues in court that because the judge was paid off, Peter's liberty was never really in jeopardy, so that constitutional protection doesn't apply. Hmm. Peter's lawyer dares McCoy to proceed and face a flood of appeals. Jack threatens to seek the maximum sentence for his elderly mother, unless he takes an offer of 25 years. So to celebrate, Jack, Claire, and Adam pour each other scotches. But who could that be calling to interrupt all this fun? Schiff gets a call learning that his old friend, the disgraced Judge Hines, has killed himself. Okay, triple murder, rich defendant. What's the first thing Schiff wants to do? Cut him a deal. (laughs) Always. Check your messages. Rothenberg's feeling his oats. I don't expect a call from him. Lost the dialing instructions on your phone? I won't shop for a deal, Adam. (laughs) He didn't call you. You call him. (laughs) Get this shit off my desk. Sarah, do you have feelings about Schiff's seeming unwillingness to ever, like, I don't know, do anything when it comes to going after people? (laughs) I love Schiff. Yes, exactly. I love that impression. It's like my mom and I do Schiff impressions all the time. I, <laughs> I feel like Schiff, all he wants is to be left to sit alone at his desk and eat a sandwich. And he's never, <laughs> ever gotten to. Just once. Just once. <laughs> While the mayonnaise is still cold. Exactly. Uh, so this episode actually was mostly written for actor Stephen Hill, who plays Schiff. Hmm. The writer Renee Balker says that he loved writing for Hill more than anyone else. Quote, hmm. He's one of the actors who calls and asks for fewer lines. (laughs) And then you give him fewer lines and he asks for fewer words. (laughs) And then you give him fewer words and he asks for fewer syllables. Man, that seems to track though, right? It's just like Schiff, you know, Mm -hmm. fewer fewer cases, (laughs) fewer indictments, fewer fewer, uh, convictions, fewer trials, fewer everything, right? (laughs) Amazing. Sarah, did you ever notice this, that all of Adam Schiff's old friends are crooked? Yes. And also, (laughs) I think a lot of Lenny Briscoe's old friends, like anytime someone has an old friend on this show, you're like, oh, no, here we go. (laughs) Yeah. No one's ever like, he's my old friend, the car dealer. He could like get you a really great deal. Yeah. That's actually a really good pattern. Barbara's old friend is crooked. Olivia Benson's old friend turns out to, oh, my gosh. You shouldn't have old friends on this show. You have to keep them in your sight line or else they're going to get bribed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just call around check on people I'm yeah just, just straight and narrow straight you and narrow good, 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 good. okay bye <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time and I, I believe the only time we see Schiff come to the 27th precinct and he clears the room just by standing there hmm. the least amount hmm. of syllables possible yeah hmm. turn this off <laughs> everybody just get out <laughs> I personally authorized the warrant how could you You're a judge, for heaven's sake. Think of your oath. I thought after 35 years you'd give me the benefit of the doubt. To hell with the 35 years. You betrayed your office. To hell with you, Edgar. (laughs) 
if the point is to actually catch the guy, though, and hold mm-hmm. him accountable, why tell the cops not to watch and turn off the recording of the actual conversation in which the guy is going to admit that he actually did it? Schiff even kicked out the defense attorney. Get rid of him. Edgar, are you sure? He's sure. <laughs> are you sure? He's sure. He's sure, yeah. The judge is like, sure. Because ultimately the legal system is about what the DA orders you to do, I assume. Mm. Yeah. So, by the way, what judge would not break the law just to get a mortgage of 5%? (laughs) Today, you could be a serial arsonist and still do better than 5%. (laughs) 5%, it's a quaint, right? (laughs) Ray wanted 7% adjustable. Back in the day where you get a character loan, remember? Yeah. (laughs) By the way, what property is he buying in Manhattan? You know he Hmm. 7%. He still can't afford that. (laughs) No. Getting a condo with those fees. Getting a manhole cover. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to take all my money out of this bank. Yeah. You try that power move. Yeah. See? Tara, right? If I go and I say, I'm taking all my money out of this bank, they're say, fine, do you want that in an envelope? They're trembling. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> well, what am I going to do? I just look at all this other money I have in the vault. <laughs> and I say, that's it. I'm going home. I'm uninstalling my mobile app to teach you. <laughs> so we, we see McCoy and Kincaid. And by the way, like you say, they're just beginning their secret not to be revealed until the end of the season off-camera workplace relationship mm-hmm. where the boss is sleeping with his subordinate and it's beautiful. And do not tell me I'm wrong about that, Sarah, because I'm not. Oh, I'm not <laughs> going to. I Good. Listen, I McClare, which is what we called it on fanfiction.net at this time, or not at this time, because I was writing Law & Order fanfiction in like 2002, so like Whoa. after all this had shaken out, but it was still Hold on. It was still a out. subgenre. Time out. You just came out of the fan fiction closet I like did. a Murphy bed. I did. <laughs> what? what did you write about? Oh, my friend and I- Was just, it all lovey-dovey? We, yeah, and we wrote, I mean, I remember reading some like dead serious sort of McCoy and Kincaid love stories like I remember one that I still think of every so often that was like set canonically um, near the end of season six and it was like (laughs) McCoy has a cold and Kincaid's taking care of him and (laughs) the Italian lady at the grocery says to her get married have bambinos never too late like I still remember that line (laughs) Um, but my friend and I were just I mean we were eighth grade girls so we were writing just very kind of absurdist anything can happen sort of farces where like there was one where McCoy gets cloned and then they decide that the fake McCoy is the real McCoy. It's called the real McCoy. The real McCoy. There you go. <laughs> and then actual McCoy is disenfranchised and has to prove that he is the real McCoy. It was stuff like that. But I mean, we want wow. like, it's so funny to me that as adolescents, we would have watched this show because it's so boring and yet that makes sense because life is terrifying when you're in eighth grade and you need something yeah. this controlled. I would hope that in the upcoming season 21 that there's a scene where McCoy opens like this cabinet and inside is like one of those Mexican saint shrines to uh, Claire with yeah. his candles yes. and things like that. And a big photo and he just like looks at her and moves around a trinket or something like that. <laughs> I would love that. Sighs heavily. Closes the cabinet. Closes the cabinet. Walks slowly back to his Maybe desk. Maybe he like goes and he's like, Claire, what would you do? 
<laughs> yeah. And she's like, go easy on the defendant. And he's like, not a chance. <laughs> Hang him high. McCoy is back. <laughs> okay. So they bring both Peter and Elaine Nikodos into the conference room of truth. Mm. And when Peter turns down the offer, he's going to walk until McCoy says, As for Mrs. Nikodos, I plan to seek the maximum time under the statutes. In practical terms, that's 25 years, but I'll settle for half. Is that what you want for your children, Mr. Nikodos? To visit their grandmother in the geriatric ward at Bedford Prison? Peter, he's blowing smoke. <laughs> it's as if, until this moment, he had no idea that his mother was in trouble, could possibly go to jail. So his mom's mm-hmm. going to go to prison for, like, the loan thing? Yeah, for bribing a, a public yeah. official. Okay. I mean, I see that, but I also don't, I clock Peter as somebody who would really care that much about his mom going to prison. I mean, he murdered his brother. Yes. (laughs) Allegedly. And now he has mommy all to himself. So you can imagine how unfortunate this timing is. Yeah. (laughs) Finally, I get the attention that I've always wanted. (laughs) But McCoy goes, is that what you want for your kids to see, visit your grandma, their grandma in prison? It's like, well, the option is, the other option is their kids come see their dad in prison for a much longer (laughs) period of time. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's like, well, they... They were never that close. It's fine. <laughs> Grandma's going to die anyway. Do Come we on. also believe for a second that he wouldn't have charged him for murder if he had said no to like that whole thing? No, oh, like, he was going for it. I know. So it's like that wasn't a real deal. It wasn't a real offer. You know, it just wasn't. Well, even McCoy knew that he getting around double jeopardy would be difficult. Of course it would. So, <laughs> but that's it. By taking a plea, then they don't have to worry about I don't buy any of this for a second. These you people don't. are so rich, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could have drawn out this case forever. That was the plan. They could have, though. She would be dead well <laughs> before, well before this thing had been adjudicated. Like, they could have drawn this thing out for years and years and years. They were like billionaires, right? Sarah, tell Rebecca what she's wrong about. Hmm. (laughs) I mean, I feel like in the real world, you're right. But I think that this is law and order world where people like one characteristic, I think, of people in this universe is that they fold really easily. Right. true. (laughs) Especially when they're all in a room together. That's when it always happens. Yeah. Because they're like. Like there's always, you you know, you turn the people having an affair against each other by like just being a little manipulative or and I feel like this is a reflection partly of the fact that people do implicate themselves in each other a lot. But it's often under much harsher and more abusive questioning methods than we ever see depicted on this show because Lenny Briscoe would never. So it just like creates this world where people are like, I give up really, really easily. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just talk for a second about the fact that that poor gopher dude had to admit on the stand that he was pooping? Now, when these shootings occurred, you were hiding in the bathroom, correct? I wasn't hiding. I was busy in there. I felt so bad no, for No, no, no. He was throwing up. Mm. Oh, I thought he was pooping. He was hugging porcelain. Oh, I thought he was doing his business. He had business to do. Well, but he didn't want to say I was vomiting. <laughs> Can't handle his Chinese food. Yeah. What, what did he say he was doing? He was like, I was busy. I was working. He had like a, he had a euphemism for it that was so adorable. I think he said I was, yeah, <laughs> I was indisposed. <laughs> Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. 
Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. This episode is inspired by the case of Harry the Hook Aylman. He was an enforcer for the Chicago Mafia, believed to have killed more than a dozen people who crossed the mob. In 1972... Ailman shot teamster Billy Logan because the union official was interfering with the gang's truck heists. Defence attorney Robert Cooley opted for a bench trial. Despite two eyewitnesses and other evidence, Ailman was acquitted by Judge Frank Wilson. In the late 1980s, authorities investigating corruption within the Chicago court system nicked Cooley. Under pressure from the mob, Cooley passed along a bribe of $10,000 to Judge Wilson to ensure Ailman's acquittal. In 1991, Aylman was re-indicted for Logan's murder and convicted by a jury in 1997. He appealed the case, saying he was a victim of double jeopardy. The appeals court didn't agree. They reasoned that since the fix was during the first trial, Aylman's life or liberty were never actually in jeopardy. The ruling established that bribing a judge wouldn't preclude the defendant from being tried again. In 2010, Harry Aylman died of lung cancer at the Hill Correctional Center in Galesburg, Illinois. Okay, so the bribe was $10,000. Judge Wilson actually uh, asked for more money, <laughs> counteroffer, <laughs> because of the risk involved. Yeah. And so in the middle of that probe in 1990, Judge Wilson committed suicide, very much like wow. the end of this episode. Tracks. Ailman was the only person in the U.S. to be retried and legally convicted for murder after being acquitted. Wow. So should double jeopardy be absolute? Rebecca, what do you think? You know, I'm all about like criminal justice reform. I'm all about defendants' rights or defendants' rights, as Ray Curtis would say. <laughs> um, however, I do think if you have fixed your trial and guaranteed an outcome, then you were not in jeopardy to begin with. So how can you call it double jeopardy, right? For either side. I'm saying if the prosecution did the same then the defendant also was did not have a fair shot. So how can we say it isn't true on the other side as well, right? I think what you're saying makes sense. I'm comfortable saying that I, I do not know because I am a law and order scholar and not a law scholar. So mm-hmm. I it, like that makes sense to me. And yet also I think that making double jeopardy non-absolute could be a domino in a way that mm. I'm not aware of. So true. who the heck knows? Well, some people it's know, true. but I don't. I will say, though, like, they get it wrong so many times on the other side. Like, mm-hmm. maybe they're due. <laughs> Once, in <a> while. <laughs> Once in a while, maybe if someone gets away with something, really, like, there's so many times that they get it wrong and, like, put the wrong person away, you know? I don't know. So, Ailman uh, was charged with killing labor leader Billy Logan. It was believed to have something to do with a mob beef, but Logan was married to Ailman's cousin, who he beat up. And they were in the middle of a contentious custody case. This is Logan doing this. Uh, One night, he beat her up, and she said, Harry's not going to like it. And he replied, fuck that guinea. Okay. Now, Rebecca, you know that uh, an Italian would not let an Irishman get away with saying that. 
Yeah, some Italians would not. I mean, let's be real. Uh, that being said, this is a very complicated. It sounds, sounds like this is like a uh, real Goodfellas type situation. Yeah. People thought it like, was business, but it really could it have been like personal. It sounds like it was both, yeah. which is a real Goodfellas type situation or like a Godfather type situation where it's like, I hate you, you hate me. There's also a business thing, so I'm just going to kill you kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's classy. It's all classy. That's what it sounds like to me. Sarah, why don't you love to just take out one of your business rivals? And- <laughs> <laughs> it's not personal. <laughs> you know, it's funny because like I have at this point in my career that has yet to be appealing to me. But I love mobster movies um, in a way that is hard for me to explain to people who don't sit around watching mobster movies because I think they're just I don't know. I feel like so much of our life in America is just about power and dealing with people who are accumulating power and trying to do that in our own little world. And that's my theory about why they're so, why those of us who are are not in the mob love them so much. Hmm. So Ailman was sentenced to guess how much? How much? 300 years. Okay. Because he was a vampire. Yeah. He he died 12 years ago, but he's still there, obviously. Yes. Mm -hmm. They got to hang on to him. Right. In 2002, the parole board denied him parole. It was not unanimous, though. Uh, one member voted to let him out. And that parole board member was later charged with trading his vote to get his son a gig as an entertainer in Las Vegas. Oh, what? my God. Well, people never learn. Yeah, that's oh just my embarrassing. God. Let your kid survive on his own talent, buddy. But that's like straight from The Godfather, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> straight from the first trial. <laughs> that's like the horse head situation, right? <laughs> An offer he can't refuse, yeah. <laughs> you got to get a favorable contract for your boy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An entertainer, a Vegas entertainer? Like, yeah. aim higher, man. Aim higher. Yeah, really? You're going to break the law so Marvin can dance on a teeterboard in Cirque du Soleil? <laughs> And that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Sarah Marshall. Sarah, where can our listeners follow you online? Oh, you can find me at remember underscore Sarah on Twitter because I'm still a fan of that joke. And <laughs> you can find my podcasts at you, you're wrong about and at you are good pod. And I hope to see you out there. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? On Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Reb Lavoy. And listen to Crime Writers On. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content, assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. 
There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.